Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Gaynell Brady for a discussion about finding empowerment on the family tree, the story of Mammy. Gaynell Brady is the owner and educator at Our Mammies. This company was named Our Mammies to reclaim the name Mammy and to emphasize to others that a mammy was just was more than just a name. Mammy cared for generations of plantation owners, laborers, and enslaved African Americans. Mammy's strength, courage, wisdom, and tenacity is displayed on every family tree. However, mammy is often stereotyped as an uneducated, submissive, dark-skinned, overweight maternal woman. Our mammy shares the stories of Louisiana's African Americans through the lens of the founders' ancestors, what they contributed, how they survived, why it's important, so that future generations can understand what was sacrificed and be inspired by all the ancestors and what they have accomplished in the face of adversity. Gaynell Brady is an educator and museum professional who is passionate about learning genealogy and museums. Gaynell holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree in History and a Master of Arts degree in Museum Studies from Southern University at New Orleans, and she's currently a Ph.D. candidate. So let me give a warm welcome to Gaynell Brady. Welcome, Gaynell. Thank you, Bernice. I'm excited to be here today with you. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. Now, let's start off with something that was posted on Facebook yesterday, and it was a tombstone. Mm-hmm. This tombstone was for a woman by the name of Matilde Duncan. And the marker mm-hmm. read, Black Mammy, and it was inscribed in 1912. And the person that posted this, it says, she has gone from us forever Longer here, she might not stay. And a comment was made that, well, maybe her son Doug thought that black mammy 
was a term of endearment for Mathilde. So let's talk about this for a minute. What is Mm -hmm. the biggest misconception that African Americans have about Mammy? You know, the first thing that I want to say um, as it relates to this is that the first thing we need to do is understand how this term can have different meanings for different people, how this term can have, like, uh, negative connotations attached to it, um, due, you know, through modern commercialization of Mammy, and then also through just that whole Confederate lost cause definition of who Mammy was, who this African, who the African American woman was during and before, during during antebellum period and after. Um, I just, you know, I want people to understand that when you see a grave marker like this, the first thing I want you to do is not focus on the black mammy part. I want you to focus on who Matilda Duncan was because Matilda, you know, the thing that I did when I first saw the image, I took Matilda Duncan's name off that grave marker and I put the name Lizzie Riley on that grave marker. And Lizzie Riley was my third great grandmother who would have been considered as a mammy. And I started to think about her and who she was as a person and what role she served both for her family, her village, and then also the people who she worked for. And it made me think of the human side of Matilda, Mama Matilda, as I'm going to call her, Um, because I know that she has an in-depth story. I know that she's going to mean one thing to her descendants and those who came from her and lived and worked with her, and she's going to mean another thing to those who enslaved her. And so that's the one thing that I want people to understand is that that word mammy, especially when we got knee-deep in that Jim Crow reconstruction period, that whole time frame was spent to make Mammy look like this morbidly obese, uneducated woman. And that is far from who the African-American woman was at that time. And that's why I really want us to use our own family histories, our own genealogy research to debunk all of these myths and take the time to challenge and change the narrative around African-American women on our family trees. Um, We have to, every time we see something like this, stop it in its tracks, challenge it, and define who the women were who raised us, who were our neighbors, who um, provided for us and made all of these sacrifices for us. So when I see Matilda Duncan even though I see the term black mammy attached to her, I knew who that black mammy was and what she meant to those around her. Um, I feel a sort of connection to her um, and just the conversation that, um, you know, that you and I had when, when you told me she was from Kentucky, Bernice. Um, yes. I immediately attached her to Lizzie. Mm-hmm. I attached mm-hmm. her to Lizzie because my grandma Lizzie was from Kentucky. Um, my grandma Lizzie was born in March 1839. So let's talk I became about attached Mammy. to her. Yes, ma'am. Right. You became attached to her when I saw it. I immediately thought of my grandmother, my great-grandmother. 
And so mm-hmm. it it wasn't something that was perceived as negative. But mm-hmm. the mammy caricature, let's just talk about that for a minute. Mammy mm-hmm. is the most well-known racial caricature of African-American women. I mean, she was created during the era of, of American slavery as manufactured mm-hmm. evidence that black slave women were content and even happy to be slaves. And thus that slavery was a humane institution. And although she had children, sometimes many, she was completely desexualized. She belonged to the Mm -hmm. white family, though it was rarely Mm -hmm. stated, and she was a faithful worker. She had no black friends. The white family was her entire world. She was obese, old, very dark skinned, and she she always wore a bandana. I mean, let's mm-hmm. just talk about it. I mean, you see, it, it, look, right now, <laughs> just recently, <laughs> let's yes, talk about Auntie Mama. Yeah. And yep. I mean, what did this mean? So I want you to yep. talk about what the biggest myth mis- and misconception that white people believe and have allowed themselves to continue to believe about Mammy as well as what we just talked about of the misconception that African Americans have about Mammy. Mhm. It's like the first thing that I want them to wake up and to realize is that let's let's deal with the whole institution of slavery as it relates to Mammy. Let's let's, let's start off there. And the fact that you know like you said this 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 idea of who Mammy was was just passed on from one generation to the next to the next and it's all to 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 create this you know, grandioso Southern glory, right? Like, oh, the one thing when you mention about, you know, the fact that even the way that they they uh, describe her and the way that they present her in imagery all across the South. We see her on photographs, postcards, uh, cookie jars, and it's always this big, fat, happy-go-lucky woman. And the one thing is that, you know, just, and I'm going to always go back to my own family tree and the way that we always try to pick this woman as being the woman in the big house, right? Like that's how we see her in Gone with the Wind and every other movie. We see this big, fat, happy black woman who doesn't want to run away. She doesn't care anything about her own family. She's only focused about the white family freedom. Huh? She doesn't need that. And that's the furthest thing from what happened. And and I think this is that whole Southern comfort thing, right? Like we, we, we create these stories about, uh, one, how slavery was just, you know, it was going to end on its own if we didn't do anything and that, oh, the, the, the slaves were happy slaves. And it's like, hold on, this is the furthest thing from the truth. And that's to try to create this whole white Southern comfort around what happened. And in the case of Mammy, they try to present her as this, like, undesirable woman, right? Like, who would want this, what they call, ugly, big, fat, uneducated black woman? Let's deal with that first. And the fact remains is that as a person who's done her own uh, genealogy, who has taken a DNA test, that DNA test will reveal somebody wanted her. I, I have cousins who don't look like me. And it's not that many generations up. So we have to to stop thinking that, hey, these women were undesirable when, in fact, at any given moment, black women and children uh, were raped by rich, middle class, and poor white men. So that 
happened. And I think we create these caricatures to make ourselves feel good, but at the same time, they're, as I say, they're, you're lying on my ancestor because this is not who she was. Um, the, the second part of that is just the freedom issue, right? Like she didn't want freedom. That's opposite to what we see in the runaway ads. We see women running away. We see them attaching large price tags to bring her back home. So I guess, you know, for me, that's why when I when I see the term mammy, I know I, I take it on for what it is. It's a way to almost make me hate my ancestor and yet build up someone else's. And so that's how I'm like, but no. But you just we, said you know, something else. Excuse me for mm-hmm. a minute. Because you say, yes, and we create these characters. Who are the we that you are speaking of? Well, the we that I'm speaking of, again, is the white men who, and women, I'll say white men and women, who took their time to create this whole Lost Cause movement, this whole monument building, this whole Dunning School of History. Let me create history the way that I think it should be written in a textbook. And oftentimes, you know, African-American historians, or those who are into African-American history, we have to spend time after time creating books, writing papers to show how what was written in these old uh, Dunning School history books and these old um, Lost with the Cause movement books and monuments and museums to say, hey, this isn't the truth. This isn't right. Mm -hmm. This is actually wrong. This is not who this African-American woman was. Uh, black people were educated. We have to literally spend times and hours like re-educating people because every time you walk past a monument or a museum that tells them something different or they're going to schools, you know, white children and, and even some Hispanics by some nature. I ran across a lady um, during my park service tenure who literally told me she was taught nothing about slavery in Texas. So she was clueless. She didn't realize these things happened. And so, uh, you know, it just shows how deeply um, embedded this stuff is within to our education systems, even within our recreational systems, stereotypes are born. And like so you said, nobody... The, the commercial part of the commercial part, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of jumping in here, because no, when we're talking about the commercial mammies. And the mm-hmm. real women, we are talking about two different types of women. And that the two commercial caricature became mm-hmm. the mainstream. And Absolutely. because it became it, the mainstream, you saw coffee cans, you saw pancake batter, mm-hmm. you saw molasses, you saw so yes, many different images of black women with scarves on their heads and having yes, a ma'am. certain look, and this mm-hmm. is what people then said, okay, this is Mammy. And so and like what you you're said, doing is you're yes, changing, ma'am. you're kind of saying, let's, let's look at this in a totally different way. Absolutely. So how did these women view themselves? Let's talk about that for a minute. How did they view themselves? I mean, their importance, their duties, their oppressions, and even their job of taking care of people. Talk about that for a minute. You know, when I think about my ancestors, and, again, I I feel that that, that 
I have about 20 people, Bernice. I'm going to describe this feeling before I have this conversation with you. I have about the feeling of 20 women with their hands on my shoulders and head right now. And before I begin this show and before I begin every program, I said, I want you to put every word in me you wanted to say then. I want you to allow me to be your voice because people have lied on you. These these people have taken the time to almost make us ashamed of who our women in our family were, right? And mm-hmm. growing up in Louisiana, I'll have to admit, I had to search for my people because the stories I was always told was always about, like, you know, the white, the Europeans, the white men, the white women, and even the free people, the, the French Creoles, the free women. Is that on my tree? A portion of it. The majority of my people were domestic servants. The majority of my people were field hands. They were enslaved women. I call them the forgotten ones, the ones that we seem to look over in everything we do. We don't pay attention to that woman that's in the back holding that baby. And the fact that she did take care of her children, right, Ms. Bernice? As a black mm-hmm. woman, I can say I'll, I'll get up and I'll work three jobs and still come home and take care of mine. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. These are the same women. I'm going to work my way backwards from me. My mom, um, she stood home to take care of my brother and my sister and I. She sacrificed everything she had to make sure we had everything we needed to be the people who we are today. And with the exception of my sister, because she died in Hurricane Katrina, all of my mom's children are college educated, and neither one of my parents possess a college degree. My mom and I basically completed school at the same time, and yet my parents were successful. I'm not ashamed of my mom. I'm proud of my mom, and, I, and I'm grateful for her sacrifices. My grandma on my maternal side where the land of all of these domestic servants worked countless hours at Charity Hospital. And she still came home and raised her 16 kids and fed everybody in the lower ninth ward. <laughs> she learned that from her grandma, Mom Bell, who took her in and raised her when her mom was out working and doing whatever else. Mom Bell stepped up and did that till she died in 1971. She learned that from her mom. You see what I mean, Bernice? That if we I didn't get anything. We 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 have always black women have always made a way to take care of our own children. And, and and any black woman out there, whether you're listening to us and whatever word you're listening to us, or even if you know one of us, we always managed to multitask. We invented that word. We. We come out, you know, my grandmothers, they, they would work six days a week. You see it on the census, right, Ms. Bernice? You see how many hours these people work, how many days a week they work, but they still were in church on Sunday. You still couldn't cut up in the back of the church. Somebody had a presence somewhere. So it's, again, stop letting people define who your ancestors were and seek them for yourselves. 
And all of the great genealogists I have met and have listened to all my life, the one thing I get from you, Ms. Bernice, Dr. Antoinette Harrell, Nika, Yael, all of these wonderful genealogists, the one thing that we all say in so many different ways is research your people and tell their truth. And, and for me, because I come from all of these domestic servants, I have to debunk this myth. This is not who Mammy was. This lady was, as as, as I remember one day, uh, this guy, uh, Malik in New Orleans, he does these tours. And he said, I don't understand what is this whole thing around Mammy. Folks don't realize Mammy could have killed the whole plantation. Because the person who cooks for you could have killed you. It's like they always want to, you know, portray her as this uneducated woman. But I'm still using the remedies that my aunt, my grandma passed down to my dad and them to cure colds in my household. We don't take cough syrup. <laughs> I'm still using all of that stuff that they that they they said. Oh no, go get this, and and I'm still following some of that stuff, Miss Bernice, because it worked. These women were brilliant. They knew how to look at the plants and animals around them to provide when they weren't given anything. They they had the survival skills we go to school to learn now. We have to take workshops and classes to learn gardening. These women knew this stuff. And even when they only got, you know, you got your little rations and it wasn't enough, they knew how to to take a pot of beans and add a little bit of okra to stretch that out. That's what my bell did, too many of them. My mom and them had too many kids and there were too many of them. She stretched those beans with some okra. She, they knew how to do that. They were providers. In my mind, they were soldiers. And, and it's, so, it's so interesting how it's easy for, for, for mainstream, like you said, through all these commercial ads, nobody talks about how strong and powerful this woman was. We just want to paint her as this, this, this happy thing, just running around, like you said, with a bandana on. Yes, yes, um, yes, hey, you know, Blasting Game talks about that in his book and how, like, they had three types of African-Americans on a plantation. That still exists today. Did they have some women who um, served her mistress faithfully? Yeah. Okay, I have evidence of one on my family tree, and that's one of many. One of, like, she's one that's complete opposite of the other women on my tree. This woman served this family to the 90s, Miss Bernice. But what they don't know is this woman also used every single resource she had to be a business owner in Point Capi Parish. So why not highlight what she did because of the sacrifices that she made? She earned her money, but she also mm-hmm. had her own barn lounge with her husband. Mm-hmm. These are the same women who they say couldn't read and write. But she had enough sense to run a business, and to my understanding, she purposely made sure her money didn't add up at the end of the day because she had to turn some of it over to the uh, the landowners, the plantation owners. That's somebody that can count. So certainly. And her land about is still you. there. Yes, ma'am. Oh, what you're what you're telling me is that resourcefulness was part mm-hmm. of what they did. <laughs> she yes, knew she knew how to take that dollar and make that dollar mm-hmm. do what she needed it to do. 
Yes, and let's talk about you. And mm-hmm. as our mammies, because this is your company, mm-hmm. how yes, do you interact? How do you interact with people who may scuff at your choice of researching and presenting this historical figure, Mammy, and the usage of the namesake for your business? Ooh, this conversation is on time. The other day I was having a, a conversation with my sister, Yael Gordon, who is like one of those bad genies. She's an awesome genealogist um, in Louisiana. And she reminded me, Ms. Bernice, when I first started this company, first things first, my mama said, I know you're not going to name the company that. <laughs> I told her, yes, I am. Because I felt that I had a calling and I couldn't sleep, Ms. Bernice. I, you know, I toyed around with names and I could not sleep. And I was told to stand firm. This is the name. And I want you to teach everybody who we were and are. We are with you. We're going to walk this journey with you. When I first created this company, it was called Mammy's. It did not become our until 2019. And I was told to do this. And I can't, you know, it's, it's one of those spiritual things, you know, like when your ancestors don't let you sleep at night, Miss Bernice. I tried mm-hmm. to go the safe route, <laughs> you know, that comfortable route, so that I don't irritate anybody on any side of the line. And I was told that's not what you're here to do. We have, you have been given every single thing you need to walk this road. And you're going to get some people who are not going to be happy with your decision, but that does not change your purpose. And so here we are. And I, I take every opportunity I can to say that word to redefine it and to give those women back the power. Because it was, I, I've had so many phone calls to where my husband had to vet my calls. I could not have done this without the support of my husband and my parents and my, my brother and my friends to stand by me like, sis, we're doing this. We're doing this. And, and we did. And Yael reminded me of that because, as you know, I know you know, <laughs> I see it in your post. Sometimes as black women, we get tired. We're tired of defining. We're tired of explaining. And I get tired. And sometimes I have to be reminded, girl, you're an, an, edu- you're an educator. You are an interpreter. This is your job. This is what you were born to do. Get out there and change the narrative. And when I get tired, I turn to folks like Joe McGill and Dontavious, and I, and I just connected with Cheney McKnight, and I look at what they're doing, and I keep pushing, and I keep mm-hmm. fighting. Because if not me, then who? And now more than ever, we have the perfect opportunity to teach others about who our ancestors really were. And, and I'm sorry we're going to step on some toes of some folks who were taught differently, but I'm sorry but I'm not sorry. <laughs> I have to tell the truth. I cannot lie or continue to lie on my ancestors to make people feel good. I'm not going to lie on my ancestor and not acknowledge that um, Mama Matilda Duncan's name has Black Mammy on her gravestone. I'm not going to hate that gravestone. I'm not going to not visit her grave. 
I'm going to sit there and hug her and embrace her and say, I understand, and you are loved, and I remember you. And every chance I get, I'm going to tell someone who you were and what your name was because I don't want you to be the forgotten one. And that's what our mammy does is I want to share those stories. I want to encourage people to go and find the people on their tree to give them empowerment. When I lost my hearing a year, a couple of years back, my grandma Lizzie inspired me to keep fighting. Go, you can do this. I heard her whisper that in my ear in St. Francisville, Louisiana, you can do this. My biggest fear was I wasn't going to be able to hear people. And she told me, you got one ear. You can hear. You can do this. It's going to be okay. And it has been okay. And I have been sharing her story and, and just telling people, yes, Mammy wanted to run away. Yes, they, 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 they had women involved in slave revolts. They had women, these, these same black women who we are ashamed of, Ms. Bernice, you know those domestic servants we're all ashamed of? They were feeding people and exchanging secrets and, and resources with those freedom seekers who ran away in the Maroon communities. You know, these, these women are the same women when they die today in 2021, everybody loses their mind. The whole family falls apart when mama leaves. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing I, w- I want to remind people of, let's go back to that caricature once again. If Mammy was so uneducated, was 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 all of these horrible things, neglected her own children, let's step back, Miss Bernice, how in the world as a mama or as a white woman, let's use this, as a white woman, why in the world would you encourage or allow someone who is so incompetent to take care of your own child? If to you're care for your child. Mm-hmm. If you're the superior mom, if if you're the mom, you're the greatest mom in our black women, we're the reason our kids are all messed up and this, that, and the other, we'd rather blame black women for the problems in society instead of looking at systemic racism. It's easier for us to just throw the blame on Mammy. Mammy's supposed to fix everything. Throw, throw the blame on her. Shift the blame on her when we refuse to look at systemic racism and every other problem that's destroying the community the village, and yes, she's a strong woman, but she can't carry the weight of the world on her shoulders. So I just I just look at when I see stuff like that, and Katrina Andre, she is a, an artist, and she has this, um, this image that I saw at Xavier University. It's called um, Mammy Complex, Unfit Mommies Make for Fit Nannies. And when you look at that image, it says everything we need to know about Mammy. Katrina did that. When I saw that image, I remember I was at the uh, at an event for the National World War II Museum, and I, and I was with I think it was with Abby and Amber, and I said, "Oh my gosh, this is it! I need to own this. This is my constant reminder." So if I if I if anybody wants to gift me anything, give me this image. Because it moves me in a way that I can't explain it, right? It just describes that thing I just said. How in the world are we so unfit, but we're okay enough to raise your legacy? I'm confused, or maybe I'm not. So what I hear you saying is that Mammy 
is not someone to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Mammy is someone to revere. Yes, ma'am. Mammy the real mammy. is the, the real mammy. And we're all the standing real. on the shoulders of our mammies. Yes, ma'am. Everybody and so, Yes, ma'am. So when you talk about that tree, and you mentioned some people that inspired you, what's, what's your message to everyone today about Mammy? The, the, I guess for me, the thing I want you to understand and I want you to do, the first thing I want you to do is look at yourself, look at the women around you, and research these women and men on your tree. When Big Mama's talking, sit down and listen. Um, and the second thing I want you to do, I want you to challenge all of the stereotypes you hear about African-American men and women. Challenge it right there on the spot. And, you know, when you find that headstone, a grave marker, with your grandmother's name on it, and that title of mammy before it, I want you to take the time to get to know that woman before you shun her, before you're embarrassed by her, right? And give her her power and respect back. She deserves that. She she deserves that. And then on top of that, just tell your ancestors' story and and support other organizations and people who are doing so. You know, you know, one of the things that I see a lot is when I go to historical sites and I don't see any African American historical interpreters there. And I'm like, that's a bummer. I know African Americans. There isn't a place on this country that African Americans haven't touched. There isn't a place in this world that we haven't been. And I know we have a story to it. And it hurts me when I don't see us in the narrative. And then I see the flip side of that when I'm portraying this African-American woman, and then I get people walking up to me like, why do you have that on? You're taking us back. You're taking us backwards. So let me get this straight. I'm offended when we're not here, but when I am here and I'm trying to tell the truth, you're offended too. So I'm, conf- I, you know, I, I want you when you see us to embrace us and to come and listen to the story and share your share your experience because I'm one of those people that believes that we all have different lived experiences and we all have different stories. But that's why places like with Joe McGill's and and, and, um, and the Slave Dwelling Project they sit they bring people together to sit down and to tell these stories when they have like your blog talk radio and when black pro gen is doing all of these shows attend listen support provide financial support because oftentimes we don't get paid for this stuff we do this out of the kindness of our heart and we do this because we're bad and courageous courageous women who can work multiple jobs and still give back to our community because that's what we do when we're doing these programs we're giving back we're we're we're, we're the voice of this generation there will be one after us but we're the voice of this generation. So I just want, when you see Mammy, I don't want you to run away. I want you to take it head on. If someone is doing something that's not true, challenge it. And if they're doing something that's truthful, that fits within the truth, embrace it. Encourage them. Offer them words of encouragement. Although in the beginning I have received, like, crazy calls and emails, but, Ms. Bernice, the thing that warms my heart the most when I get 80-plus-year-old women coming up to me with $2 rolled up, you know how they fold the money on up? They roll it up, mm-hmm. put it in my hand, and say, baby, keep going. Keep 
going. These kids need to hear this. Keep going because they will forget us. Don't let them forget us. We went through a living hell. So, and I guess that's the right. Just yeah, that that's probably very inspirational to you when Mm -hmm. an eighty-year-old or ninety-year-old says, "Keep going," because you're telling their truth. And yes, they sacrificed and did everything they could so that mm-hmm. someone could stand on their shoulders. And here you yes, are, ma'am. here you are telling their truth and unapologetically That's- telling their truth. And That's so I, I want to just thank you so much for joining me today and for everyone else to remember your ancestors left footprints. And, yes, Mammy left footprints all over the place. And so <laughs> we're here, you're here to to tell the story as an educator to let people understand that Mammy is not a caricature. Mammy is not your cookie jar. Mammy no, is your mama, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, and she has been there for you and for your community. So thank you so much, Gaynell, for joining me today. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes, ma'am. And I look forward to visiting you when (laughs) I make my next trip to New Orleans. Have a wonderful day. And everyone, I look forward to you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Gaynell. Bye. (laughs) 